Do you think you could live in a Prius? That's a pretty tiny vehicle if you're new to this whole car living thing. But it is possible, and it's possible to make a Prius comfortable. In episode 12 of the Wayward Home podcast, we talked to retiree David Swanson, who lived in his Prius for seven years. Seven years! Can you believe it? He has some great tips about car living, how to make a Prius feel like home, and now that he's in an apartment, would he live in a Prius again? All that, straight ahead. Welcome to the Wayward Home Podcast, all about van life, boat life, and nomadic living. We'll bring you tips, interviews, and stories from the road and on the water. Now, here's your host, Kristen Haynes. Hey there, I'm Kristen Haynes, founder of thewaywardhome.com, where we talk all about van life, boat life, RVing, and tiny homes. I live part of the year on a sailboat and part in a camper van and want to help you achieve your nomadic living dreams. Today, we're talking about living in a Prius. And I don't know if you know this about me, but Tom and I lived in a Prius in 2015. That was my first intro into tiny living. And we did it in the city of San Francisco where rents are just exorbitant and we wanted to save money. And so the only way to really do that was to get out of paying rent. So we stayed in campgrounds and rest stops and sometimes on the street and sometimes in my work parking lot. And so we did that for several months. And so I'm partial to this story with David Swanson about living in a Prius because I've done it. It is possible. Would I want to do it again? Probably not, especially now that I have a Sprinter van. I can't imagine a smaller vehicle, but it is possible to make a Prius a comfy home. So David Swanson roamed the country for seven years. He even appeared as an extra in the movie Nomadland, which won the Academy Award last year. So here's why David started living in a Prius in the first place. Like a lot of people, you know, I was having some financial issues and wanted to do something less expensive, find a cheaper way to live. And I think a lot of people start out in that situation living in in vehicles. And for me, it it quickly became a determination to enjoy it and make the best of it and not feel, you know, like I was necessarily living in poverty. David had started out in an RV, but found it was just too much work for him. He learned about people camping in Priuses and decided to give that lifestyle a try. I asked David if the Prius felt tiny at first, if it was a big adjustment. You know, it never felt tiny to me. And I think that's because I'm the kind of person that really likes to organize and take care of my space around me. You know, in some ways, a small vehicle is better because you're closer to the windows, so you have a bigger view of the outside if you want, as opposed to a motorhome where you might be back in and the windows might be big, but you don't, your eye doesn't catch them all the time. So I always felt like I had enough space. So how did he lay out the interior of his Prius to make it cozy? First, I removed all the seats except the driver's seat, and that gave me a lot of room. And then I had a bench table that went from the dashboard all the way to the back, and that gave me two or three feet more room than I needed to lay down. And so that gave me room to have some cooking going on right next to me in the driver's seat. So I started out that, started with all the seats out, and then As time went along and I got better at organizing and finding things I really didn't need and getting rid of them and and downsizing inside, um, I gradually put back some of the seats. And another thing I tried to do from the beginning was organize everything so I could reach it easily by only turning around in this car in the driver's seat, not having to crawl back or get out of the car to get anything. What's amazing is that David started out doing most of his cooking inside the Prius. The one thing that I had right in the beginning was an induction hot plate running off of a 1500-watt inverter engine or the big battery, the electrical system. And so I had this little hot plate and I could reach it from my car seat and I could pull it out and then I had all the important dishes right near me. Uh, You know, I had a pressure cooker made for induction, and that was a wonderful, wonderful kitchen tool was that pressure cooker. 
so I could cook things sometimes almost as fast as a microwave. There was a reason David preferred cooking inside rather than setting up camp outdoors. Traveling was much easier. I didn't have to find camping spots. You know, if I was driving and I wanted to stop, all I had to find was, you know, a safe safe spot alongside of the road where it's okay for a car to park. So I never had to set up a campsite as such. Along the way, David learned a lot about storing food and keeping food cold while living in a Prius. He had an angle 12 volt fridge he kept in back. It's a bigger upfront investment. We're talking about eight or $900 instead of other 12 volt coolers, electric coolers you can get that might be four to 600. But I think in the long run, it's, it's cheaper and more reliable and extremely durable because they have a one-piece compressor. And he stored his food in glass jars. Sounds like it might take up a lot of room, but it's really efficient and you can organize inside the jars really well. Put, you know, three or four different leftovers in one jar. Um, you can seal the jars with a small handheld um, food saver pack. You can vacuum pack those jars. Another benefit of jars is that if you're using a cooler with ice, the ice water won't get into the food and destroy it as it melts. On that same food topic, David has also been a long student of fermentation, and he did that while living in his Prius. I quickly figured out um, the most efficient way to make sauerkraut, to make sour cream, to make kefir, uh, to make ghee. People on the road should know about ghee. It's butter that's been it's been clarified and then a little bit more clarified to get a little roasty, roasty color. So the pure f butter fat in a jar, they say in India that their ghee lasts for years. I don't know about that. Kefir is another one that's really important to know about and learn to make. Kefir is basically milk that's been cultured so that it comes out like yogurt, looks like yogurt, tastes almost like yogurt, but it's cultured with little, little, little beads of... Uh, kefir seed, they're called, and they're and you can find those pretty quick on the internet. So you take those little kefir seeds and you put them in milk, and you let the milk sit in the bottom of the car in a jar for two or three days, and it turns into kefir. David split his time between city camping and boondocking. He'd go to the city for a variety of reasons, like groceries or finding internet, and spent lots of time at Walmart. I liked Walmart. I always I found most of them were quiet later at night. And I felt safe, you know, with exceptions. And some Walmarts are no longer allowing uh, vehicles to park overnight. But I liked Walmart. I liked Cracker Barrel. I didn't do truck stops much because they were noisy, but but they were an option. I didn't do hotel or motel parking lots, but that can usually work. So what about being harassed by police officers when sleeping in a city? I remember I was at a uh, rubber trap rendezvous one time, and there's a big crowd of for four or 500 people, and I was on stage talking about my Prius. And I asked people, have any of you ever been harassed by the cops other than being kicked out of a parking space? And they all said no. Later, a couple of people told me they had a couple of minor harassments and, you know, had some, some police officers that were rude. But, um, you know, hundreds of people that had been living for years in vehicles said no, they, they were never. They were never arrested. They never got ticketed. So that was really good to know. He said his biggest fear of life on the road was dealing with breakdowns. And I, I think that's true for a lot of people on the road, the, the fear of the breakdown. What do I do? You know, how do I deal with the car if it broke down? Where do I go? What do I do? So those occasional anxieties, you know, anytime, if there was a little glitch in the tune-up or anything, you know, I could easily flip into 
you know, worrying about, oh my God, it's going to break down. What am I going to do? And a lot of people are worried about living on the road in an RV, camper van, or car that they could be lonely. So I asked David about that. And, you know, I actually felt like I had a better social life on the road than I did, you know, living in an apartment because you just have to confront people more often. You know, when you have an apartment or a home, you can hide away. And when you're on the road, you know, you you have to deal with people. So I think my social life was better. And his favorite part about living in the Prius? The scenery. Oh, my God. I could park with a view of mountains or lake or ocean. I mean, I could park with incredible views that only millionaires have. I did go to all, to a lot of different parks and national parks. I did a lot of those, and so nice to be able to visit those. And it's so nice to be able to visit those without a schedule and being completely self-contained. You know, you don't have to go to Yellowstone looking for campground necessarily. I went to Yellowstone and parked at the ranger station. Now, I got away with that because it was a Prius. I don't know if somebody else could. But um, I didn't have to worry about a hotel room. I didn't have to worry about how long I was there or anything like that. So that that made trips to, to scenic places like that, you know, it just made them richer, more valuable to me. One of the highlights of David's many years on the road was being interviewed by Jessica Bruder for her book, Nomadland. So she wrote the book and then it was optioned for a movie and they made the movie of Nomadland, which most people have heard of, it won the Academy Award for Best Picture. So she called me and said, you know, do you want to be in the movie as an extra? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I went down to Arizona to Quartzsite and, and was on the movie set for a week. I got paid an exorbitant amount of money for my time. And I met Frances McDormand. I was parked, you know, 50 feet from her. And every excuse I could get, I would come over, go over there and start up a conversation. That was such a highlight of my whole seven years on the road. If you're also thinking about living in a car, whether it's by choice or by necessity, David has some recommendations for you. You have to have really comfortable sleeping. So spend whatever money or, or time or effort looking around, but find good bedding, good mattress. Um, number two in a small vehicle is good curtains, good ways to cover the windows. And number three is being able to cook and be as self-contained about food as you can in the vehicle. Those are the three recommendations I always give people. Because you really want to work towards, you want to focus on how is this, how can I make this a home? What makes us feel like a home? He said it's also good to be aware that you might get discriminated against. When I started out, I was, you know, I, everybody I ran, yeah, I'm living in my car. After a while, I was like, no, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Nobody has to know I'm living in my car. And after that, I changed stories constantly. Oh, I'm traveling. Oh, I'm visiting. Oh, I'm on vacation, blah, blah, blah. But after a while, I never told, unless I knew somebody, I never told them I was living in my car. Because the, the looks that you get and the discrimination, you know, you become, an, and I hate to use the H word, the homeless word is really derogatory and really demeaning. So one has to be really aware of that potential discrimination. The general public does not like homeless. You're, you're a lower caste of person. After living in his car for seven years, David finally moved into an apartment. He found out that he qualified for Section 8 housing, something he'd been reluctant to do in Minnesota's Twin Cities, as he's heard horror stories about the quality of living. Small towns offer normal apartment living, normal living situations at 30% of your income, and some of that is really nice. Um, when I went on the road and I heard about subsidized housing and I heard about all the stuff in the cities and there was a 10-year waiting list in the cities for subsidized housing, 
I was like, no way, I'll never do it. Then during summer living in his Prius in Grand Marais along the north shore of Lake Superior, he heard about subsidized housing once again. So once I figured that out, I that was one su- early one summer and I applied for this place and the waiting list was only three months. So subsidized housing is for people over 60, over 70, uh, disabled, veterans, um, parents of disabled. So there's, there's qualifications, it's not for everybody, but subsidized housing can be very worthwhile. So I want people to know that if they're on the road because they're impoverished, they can very possibly afford subsidized housing. He said he settled right into living in an apartment. The first couple of months I was like, I'm never sleeping in my car again. I'm done with it forever. Why did I do that? Never again, right? Well, winter came and I decided, well, I should make my car winter survivable. So if I go off the road in a ditch in a snowstorm, I'm okay for a while. So I decided, you know, I'd add a, add a few winter emergency things, you know, some food and and yeah, I just said, well, I'll put the bedding back just in case, you know. So one thing led to another. And here I was with my Prius fully equipped to live in again. David doesn't plan on returning to life in his Prius anytime soon, but he's glad he has an escape mobile in case of wildfires or any other emergency. So I have a second home, a second vacation home, an option. Um, and that's a really nice feeling. When I drive down the road in a snowstorm, it's like, well, so what? If I go in the ditch, I can sit here for a month before anybody finds me and I got everything I need. <laughs> he said in his seven years on the road, he averaged about $250 per month, excluding food, which varied month to month. Now he lives on about the same amount in subsidized housing. I really like David's story because even though living in a car wasn't his top choice, he really made the best of it finding joy in beautiful scenery, travel, and meeting new people. He made a cozy home with a comfortable bed, a fridge, and a way to cook inside. Not everyone wants to live in a van or a car, and I think it's important to remember that in this day and age of van life hashtags and happy couples doing yoga in the desert. Sometimes, and oftentimes, living in a car is a necessity, and people do face a lot of discrimination. Every day, I feel thankful I am doing this by choice, that if I really got fed up and hated it, I could afford an apartment. I think that's really lucky, and I'm really thankful that that's where I am. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wayward Home podcast. Remember, come join us in the Facebook group over at thewaywardhome.com forward slash Facebook. See you next time.